A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Hey, everyone. I'm here with two buddies, Michael Gunger and Pete Holmes. Buddy. Hello. <laughs> That's our Jeff impression. Buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. Why isn't he here? Who? Jeff Bridges. Oh, right. Where are the celebrities? Where's Helen Hunt? Yeah. <laughs> Helen Hunt's on it. Yeah. She is. Really? She's Durandas, yeah. Huh. You'll see her do. She'll, you'll see her blurb something every once in a while. Huh. Like, oh, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Really? Who knew? Dialed in. Dialed in. Uh. Cast away no more. She never was. So these two guys are like old friends. How old friends? Not I that mean, old. Not that old. So they met a couple of weeks ago. I'm They're close now, anyway. though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. It, I agree with that because uh, we're incredibly fast, deep friends. Very, very quickly. Which is funny because I'm 40 and you're... 39. 39. So I just think as you get older, sometimes you close off a little bit more. Yeah. And to make a new friend. And like a real friend, too. Right. Yeah. And a spiritual friend. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah, it was fast and surprising. What, was it a podcast or what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that it? I just realized. Yeah, you did my podcast. I was on your podcast, yeah. And we joke about it because Michael used to be, his band, Gunger, which uh, recently dissolved, used to be very Christian. And when I interviewed Michael, I only listened to the Christian records. And, and that was, we laughed about it later, challenging. Because he has all this very, <laughs> oh, I don't know if you know it, but Gunger is so, just listen to the song Vapor, and it's like, it's Ram Dass and Maharaji set to music it's unbelievable really so like there's all this like really i don't know how else to say it but very woke very evolved stuff and i was going back to you just <laughs> ringing the tambourine for, yeah, for, for jesus, jesus which is fine it it's is still fine. good and grammy nominated uh but i i remember i remember getting into gunger after we talked mm. and i was like shit it was a like wonderful I, it. <laughs> I told i told him it was like a, a wonderful gift of grace for my ego because it was like i had, i loved his podcast i listened to it all the time and we'd always been like not always but for the for several years we had felt a little limited by our christian audience and like a lot of the things we were saying we were just kind of like what are you guys talking about now and i was like this is a great opportunity yeah pete holmes podcast it's a totally new audience it's not this christian bubble and uh and then we got on, I got on and like the first thing he starts just talking about the old Christian bubble music and yeah. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. The ego. <laughs> but that's that's Gungi's. I call him Gungi's in a nutshell. Is that like he'll he'll eat whatever meal has served him mm. and he'll enjoy it. Mm. We laugh all the time. One of the great teachings that Michael's <clears throat> given me 
It's so simple, but Valerie handed him a LaCroix at our house. I, I know I've already told you this, but she goes, do you want a LaCroix? And he goes, it's what's happening. <laughs> he took it and just went, it's what's happening. Yeah. So it's those simple teachings sometimes, those, that are, those simple ways of phrasing non-resistance and flow that stick with me. And I say, it's what's happening all the time. Flight's delayed, it's what's happening. Yeah. Like nothing I can do internally is going to like make this flight not delayed. And as you said, when I said that other example, you were like, flight's not delayed. It's perfectly on time in, the big, in the big picture, yeah. in the Dow. That's it's not flight, one second delayed past not, what it's going to be. That's right. The mechanic that forgot to check the brakes is perfect in perfect harmony with the whole of the universe. And this, there has never been a delayed flight. <laughs> There is Everyone's never been, been exactly a, perfectly on time. Every flight, like Gandalf, a wizard is never early nor is he late. Mm. It's always right on time. I actually like the thing from the director in the movie, uh, Jamie, in Becoming Nobody. Yeah. Which we got to talk about a little bit. Sure. Not the movie, the concept. And Jamie goes, I got a, I got a bunch of different people inside me. One of them is a, is a, a killer. So if anybody's driving in front of me and they're going too slow, yeah. I want to evaporate them. Yeah. You know, I love that because we all still got that going on no matter how chill yeah. we think we've gotten. You know? Most of the evolved artists and just people I know tend to have a way of compartmentalizing their different facets. And Ramdas is no exception to that. The fact that there is Dick and then there's Dr. Albert and then there's Ramdas. And he talks about that. The way, even here, I one of the things I like to say to Ramdas when I see him here, because I'm in show business and he is too, is I just go showbiz, <laughs> showbiz, and I, we mean it in a loving way, not in a phony way. Yeah. But like he's being Ramdas, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when yeah. I'm being Pete Holmes, who is way more enthusiastic than I actually am. I'm just leaning into my enthusiasm. It's not false. I'm just, I'm letting it be, I'm letting it take the wheel a little bit more. When somebody who really knows me comes up and goes like, showbiz, I, I, it makes me feel like, right, you see me in my wholeness. Mm. There's the performer, like Ramdas, I know you know this, he's, he's in physical pain and he's, he's always having different, like I've talked to some of the caregivers, he has those moments still of humanity that I think some people would rather steam clean out of him. <laughs> Be, for to, I don't know. I can't speak for them. Mm. But uh, when you can say, I have Ramdas and then I have Richard, I think that's helpful. It's what we're all doing. I have Pete and I have the witness. Maybe you need a Hindu name too. Though. You know what Lama Surya Das calls me? Ramdas Das. <laughs> I love it so I'm much. Servant of, Ramdas Das. Servant of okay, Ram. that's it. <laughs> You're christened today. Uh, it made me laugh. But you know why I didn't start telling people that? Was because I thought it was impolite to Matthew and Govinda and Lakshman, who really are Ram Das Das. Those are the, the men, that's, and, and obviously Dasima, that are serving Ram Das. So I didn't want to be like, I'm Ram Das Das. I'm like, are you? I quote Ram Das a lot. Does that serve him? If that serves him, then I'm serving the hell out of him. <laughs> he gave Michael a name. Yeah, Vishnu Das. Yes, right. We talked about it on the did, podcast yeah. a little bit. I forgot so, why. Um, I want to talk about becoming nobody. Let's talk I mean, about obviously, it. we this we're all everybody. I guess you all can hear that we were at a retreat. Yeah, I'll put with Ramdas, Krishnas, Jack Cornfield, Judy Goodman, and more. Mirabai Bush, and um, 
Becoming Nobody, we showed the movie. It's been playing around this past fall around the States. And uh, just so everybody knows, it's going to come out January 15th as a DVD download. So people can finally get it who aren't living nearby where we've shown it and all that. That's great. Um, but Becoming Nobody... Maybe, since I don't think you guys have heard. So, what uh, you know, doing the Q&As after the movie and all that. So, you know, people are like, what is, what are we talking about here? Becoming nobody? I mean, what are we talking about? So, here's how I put it. I was introduced to Ram Dass in Montreal at a radio station because they wanted me to promote his, his lecture. And I actually listen. I told him send me something, and I listened to a lecture. And every you know, like everyone else who ever heard a talk of Ramdas, the first talk, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not a paranoid idiot, yeah. and I'm not. There's reasons why I'm angry. Yeah. Because this cannot be it. That's right. Right. That's what really speaks around us is like you should you're there's something inside of you that is rebelling against you not rebelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wants to wake up. Yeah. Well, I was a huge rebel because of my father. And it, it, it was a miraculous event. It's a whole other story that cured that and took care of that for me. Hmm. But anyhow, I asked him, look, I, I want to meet Ram Dass. So they hid in the ad address and he was in a private home. Parvati was in the house, but happened to be out that day, right? No, he went to the radio station. No, yeah, no, I came to the house first. Uh, this okay, see, but we, every time we tell a story, it was like we all have to, but I know I went to the house, uh -huh. and you were gone, or you and Radha were gone, and the next thing I know, he opens the door and just absolutely, like he did, she can tell this same story, every one of us that first met him, just absorbed by those blue eyes mm -hmm. in a pool of like no Ramdas, no Richard Alpert, all for me. Me, me, me needed that. Mm. And, and just this total attention. I never had that kind of attention. Maybe my mother when I was a baby. I don't know. But that suddenly was, uh, it was inspiring. It inspired trust like I had never had in somebody before. And to me, that was an example of someone who became nobody in that moment. Which, what's that about? That's about not thinking about yourself and thinking about somebody else, right? Right. So uh, in that moment, so this is what I tell people. Now, there's a bigger becoming nobody. So Ram Dass is, and all of us are in process of becoming nobody, meaning letting go of our story and stopping this... What do I, he says in the movie, when is what do I want, what do I need enough? When, you know, it's more interesting when you let go of that stuff. So that to me was exactly what this whole movie, you know, emblemized through becoming nobody. Neem Karoli Baba was immediately saw him, and although we didn't have those kind of words back then, but there was something, okay, this isn't about. There's no back and forth here. It's just a pool thing. Always, 24-7. And, and we, now I think of it, there's just a computer that did the right thing. There wasn't someone going, I think I'll do this. I think I'll tell them that. Here's a miracle. What, nothing was going on. It was just like 
perfect for whatever we needed right. in the moment. You know? Yeah. So what's your becoming nobody? For me, becoming nobody is is when the constriction isn't um, the constriction of the ego, the constriction of that I sense isn't believed, isn't the the forefront of experience where where the witness is lost, where the um, like we always are nobody. We all are always the the one or the none or whatever you're however you call it. Um, but then in that, within us, within the one, there are these constrictions, these stories that we tell about who I really am. And I am Michael and I've got I like tacos and I live in Los Angeles and I have a wife and I make music and I, and there's all these stories of Michael's opinions and Michael's beliefs and Michael's perspectives. And in the absence of Michael's beliefs and constrictions and opinions about everything, I notice that I cannot find a problem. You know, <laughs> I can't find anything to resist without that stuff being this, without it being grasped onto. Um, so in a way it's like becoming nobody is that, is that for me, that movement of a hand opening, a heart opening, uh, a letting go into who I really am, which is nobody or the only one that is. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah I was going to say you yeah. could market it differently and say becoming everybody yeah. <laughs> or becoming God, which doesn't really work. That's sort of part of the genius of Ram Dass is there's some movie on Netflix that I watched. It's called like Three Simple Words, I think. And the three simple words are I am God. And it's just, it for me, it might have been my mood when I watched it. It didn't really land, even though that is sort of, that is my belief, is that we're all underneath our stories. We are being. I was telling you mm -hmm. that the, the phrase that turned Thomas Merton back to God during his sort of swinging 20s or 30s debauchery was God is not a being, God is being. And I love that because you don't have to debate being because here we are. So it sort of puts to rest the ego trip of like, what is God? Is God real? It's like, who's asking? Who's saying it? Who's doubting and who's believing? That's all the somebody. And that when all that goes away, you're just what I call my baby, which is luminous emptiness. And that is nobody. My baby is nobody. I'm watching her slowly become somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's not a flaw in the system. It's beautiful. I love that she has preferences. She has slight preferences. Sometimes she'll have a preference for me. Sometimes she'll have a preference for Valerie. Sometimes she has a preference for pineapple. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm watching her sort of start to write her story. But especially when she was little, sitting with her feels exactly like the times that I've sat with Ram Dass one-on-one. -on -one because there's nothing being sold to me. It's just perfect. <laughs> it's just perfect. The other thing I was gonna say, and this goes into what I was saying, is becoming spaciousness too, becoming nobody. Nobody is sort of has a negative, it's no, nobody, nobody. But spacious is sort of the positive way. You could say, I don't like it but as much as becoming nobody, but mm. becoming spaciousness or becoming light or becoming free when we use these words, 
they might not be as clear. What I like about becoming nobody is it's challenging to your ego. And it's saying, yeah. fuck you, <laughs> fuck who you think you are. And this, don't forget that baptism is a drowning exercise. Mm. We are reenacting drowning. That's what it is. John the Baptist was drowning people. And you die and you come back. And who are you now that you've dropped your body? It's the same as Ramana Maharshi. Who am I after my body goes? It's the same as what Michael just said. Who am I when I let go of my story? So when people are like, how do I be more like... Christ or how do I be more like Maharaji? It's like, just, you can do it just for a second, you know, just stop. And it's in between the words of that question, you were doing it pretty mm. well. <laughs> and that's the nobody that I think is getting everybody so juiced mm. in a time when we're all yeah. trying to be somebody. Yeah. Especially me. That's what I do for my job. <laughs> Pete Holmes shows up places. Yeah. But that actually helps me dissociate from Pete Holmes. That's why I like what I was saying mm -hmm. about show business yeah, yeah. is that I've learned to commoditize my story and that helps me go like that's not him yeah right. that's why i love michael he's he, he mm. sees the fullness of me mm. valerie sees the fullness of me obviously my daughter and us as friends ragu yeah. you can see the real me and it's beautiful to go the in show business helps me go that that's just something that i this is a peacock around perfectly said and that's what this whole environment is a bunch of people that are allowing that to happen that's right, right? and recognizing it so they're really flowing, you know, so everyone's flowing into one another and creating the blanket. That's the right. The reality mm -hmm. of the blanket. That gave me that image that we're all like snowmen, right? And snowmen appear to be things, but we're all like, you put a little heat to that, it goes away. This is a very hot place and all the snowmen melt. And then we're all just puddles. And then when we get together, we become a little lake. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so addictive of it. Mm -hmm. I've been to so many retreats now that... It's not so much about the kirtans or the talks as it's about the bhav, about the vibe, and going like, oh, shit, nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares. Everybody has an appreciation for everything being on fire. When you think about like frames of a movie, like even the beginning of this podcast or even me introducing this topic is just sort of falling into the abyss. Mm -hmm. And yet the richness and the vitality of the moment is, is still mm. and always here, but all of everything else is on fire you can surrender it and you can just be the thing watching it go down and that's as I, I think i said on this podcast before that's where peace is that's where joy is this whole thing you're just expressing the the essence of what's offered here yeah which is the intersection of bhakti and wisdom yeah buddhist wisdom you can call it but you know actually with jack he's to me beyond sectarian i agree whatsoever he's been amazing and he said, wisdom says I am nobody, love says I am everybody. Yeah, right. And that's wisdom and bhakti, yeah, bhakti exactly, being love. Exactly. So you're, so, I'm yeah, completely agreeing. So just from, now you guys are well steeped in Christianity, but not, not the, I mean, you brought up in the Christianity deal, yeah. but then you moved into it and, uh, and it absorbed into you. I'm, I may be putting words in your mouth, by the way, but that it, uh, you went on to the, say the the more mystical part of Christianity mm -hmm. that spoke to you in a way that it can speak to anybody, but speaks to very few Christians in worldwide. How, how with that lens interpreting this this whole idea of really we we who said it? I guess Robert Svoboda. God wanted to say hi to himself. So here we are, you know, yeah. 
and we're working our way through so we can actually be in the pure mirror of God. I hate that word, by I, the way. Mirror? God. No, God. Oh, it's funny. We we were talking about it yesterday, right on topic. Oh, really? I was like, God, God, forgive me. We'll just use that word for brevity's sake. God George, made, can we call him George? George. George made... No, I have a better one. I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> the mystery made... Yeah. Well, I like God because God is a symbol. It's better for my point. God made humanity. Humanity returns the favor by making God. Mm. So like these pic images of, of Krishna or Buddha or Christ, they're all sort of incomplete, but it's mirroring creation. Like creating is music, art, whatever it might be, can feel very, very selfless and very holy. Mm. And I think it's because it's in our nature. Our sex drive itself is this desire for like, connection and, and and union right and our creativity is this is a godly thing so when we make god it's sort of closing off the circle <laughs> <laughs> so in i'm from montreal as you know from quebec and there's a phrase that the french canadians which quebec is mostly you know 80 french canadian they have a phrase for what they can't quite explain out they call it that thing there that thing that there. Thing thing there. there. Yeah. That, it's also French people speaking English, not well. But that it's, thing so that we took that over and we're going, that thing there, that's that right. thing there. That thing there. That's the mystery. Beautiful. Well, the Jewish, I love that the, in the Hebrew tradition you write G D because you're like, this yeah, isn't right. right. I mm. love that. It's like, fuck you. You want to write it down? <laughs> fuck you. Here's a dash. You can't even have the word. Mm -hmm. And then Richard Rohr taught me that Yahweh is to mimic our breath. It's mm. your first word when you're born and, and it's your last word when you die because it's, <sighs> that's what yeah. it is. It's mimicking breath. That goes back to, it's not a being, it's being. We're, we needed to develop a symbol system so we could fall in love with it. Now we're back to bhakti because Michael and I are very non-dual. We enjoy non-dualism. And we, we taught, we have a lot of conversations of, and I talked with Ramdas on my last retreat about like, so why have the symbols if it's us? If the guru is what's looking out our eyes right now, why have a picture of Maharaji? And as Richard Rohr says, you can't fall in love with an energy. And love is the grease that makes the whole thing go. Yeah. So we have these, you can have, you, you can call it God, can be Maharaji, can be Christ, it can be whatever, whatever opens your heart. For me, it's Ramdas in a big way. Mm. He, my reluctant guru, like don't tell him. But like I love him so much that that greases my whole system up. Mm. I, had so, a, I had a friend um, tell me this analogy that I really liked. But he was talking about Dumbo um, and like how Dumbo needs the feather. And of course, the feather doesn't do anything. It's just a feather. Yeah. But for a little while, he needed it. Like he needed, the, it gave him confidence. It gave him whatever he needed to fly. And then eventually, at some point in the movie, things on fire or whatever, and he's falling. And like he didn't have his feather. I'm like you actually don't need it. Right. Just, and he realized that the flying was in himself. But it wasn't a flaw and, in the system. But it wasn't right. a flaw in the system. Yeah. And sometimes you do need the feather. Like yeah. we all have all these feathers, whatever that is. Your your practice, your religion, your the things that help you feel plugged in, lubed up, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, uh, and then eventually, you see, it's all just. It's just in your own heart. Maybe. Absolutely. No, it's absolutely true. But I can't, I have a huge problem with non duality and the espousing of it by mm. people uh, in general. 
That's funny because I did that whole talk about non-duality and I thought you liked it. Remember? <laughs> I'm not necessarily including you in that last talk. Oh, okay. Think, okay. I just, it, it meant something to me because I thought I was maybe going out of bounds and you were like, that was really nice. You've become non-dual. Yeah. I was like, thank you, Roger. Yeah. And but, I was quoting Michael's book a lot when I did that talk. And I told Michael that yeah. because there isn't a lot of non-duality at this retreat. And sometimes Michael and I were talking about this. It could be the thing that answers questions for some people, I think. Why do, let's talk about why you don't like yeah. it. I mean, I'm curious why you don't like it. The, there was a, a guru in India named Papaji. He lived in Lucknow. Many, many Westerners went to see him. He, a lot of Rajneesh people after Rajneesh left. And um, and he basically said, you're enlightened. You just got to realize it. The thing you just said, right? It's here, you know, beneath all of, this is just thoughts. And, you know, it's everything we say here related to, you know, the stuff we talk about with the Buddhist. All completely, utterly, 100% true. As true as any of us can know reality. And then, so he kind of told them, oh, this is terrible, by the way. I'm going to get killed if I put this podcast out. <laughs> but uh, he told I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> it's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot we were, like, doing a podcast for a second. <laughs> Anyhow, the truth is, so people came out of that, and they started teaching in the West, Westerners. And somebody took me to see one of these particular people, and... You know, they had the whole wrap down. There wasn't one piece of authenticity in this person in terms of actual, any experiential realization whatsoever, awakening, nothing. It was just a wrap. And I've seen, you know, I've seen others of this kind of a thing, which is why, I mean, just take, for instance, someone like Krishnadas. The reason why people are drawn there aside from the fact that he's he's doing this as a practice right for himself he's not doing it to entertain people it can and he says yeah you can jump and dance and have fun but remember the mantra this is what's drawing us inside i'm just singing to my baba yeah how the fuck should i know i'm just singing to my baba yeah right <laughs> good one um but you know there's a level of of honesty that and authenticity that I think it's very difficult for most of these non-dual. Well, that's switches. why non-dual used to be the big truth and they'd keep it secret. It was sort of like an, a more of an esoteric thing. The cat's certainly out of the bag. I completely agree with you. I was just seeing a teacher. I forgive me. I don't remember his name, but he was like, someone can say this exact lecture that I'm saying to you right now and it won't work. Like, cause it's not what I'm saying. And that's what you get from Ramdas, and that's what you get from any great teacher. So I'm conceding the point. I'm agreeing with you, especially with non-duality. It can be really tricky to memorize the words. And I can be guilty of this, I suppose. And just saying it, you need to have, you can't let someone else experience it for you. And you need to have some love in there and some, some juice to it. Yeah, where you actually, during the day and walking around your day, you're actually meeting people with total attention, for instance, the right. becoming nobody thing. Right. You're, you're doing the things that are natural after there is some kind of 
uh, absorption of of reality, basically. Yeah. You know, uh, you know who I talked. Uh, I had a chat with uh, Muji. One, uh, yeah. Do you know who Muji? I love Muji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a whole story. Too. I was with uh, someone I see now in the jungle of India. We call him Jungle Baba. And it was all liquid love fest. Just kirtan all day long. Just the name and no intellectual anything whatsoever. So then it was time for me to go, uh, and I went to see Siddhima, who I think you know who our Indian mother who passed a couple of years ago. And Muji was in Rishikesh at the time. Posters everywhere. Muji has a big presence and a large audience. And I was thinking, my usual judgmental love fest, that bullshit, non-dual fucking, these people, you know, the whole thing. And then even met people who had been there who went, yeah, I don't know why, you know, it was just supporting my insanity. So then I go back to America and I had, and I was also comparing everything to being in the liquid love fest to, you know, the whole intellectual thing. I went back to America and I do, I, Jesus, I need some, to do some podcasts because I've been away and I haven't, you know. So Rachel says to me, well, what about Muji? I just saw something. You know, he looks pretty great. Like more of that kind of thing. She says, "No, what are you talking about?" And he's got a huge audience. It'd be good for you to do it. Mm. I said, "Okay." Anyway, showbiz. Yeah, showbiz. <laughs> I got right into it. And then, <laughs> anyhow, I did. He was so sweet, and we had such I a great time. You did. Mm-hmm. And I did t- say to him, "You know, one thing that is a, can be a problem is with non-duality is." People, you know, getting in their head what they think they should do, but the reality is lacking. You know, there's there's a lag. It's the same thing with bhakti. There's people who get into that and they're, you know, they have no, he didn't quite say it this way, but no discriminating wisdom is going on. You know, right. it's all, it'll all be okay just sitting around and it's guru's grace, you know, that which is the same as the other thing of thinking in your head that you understand reality what i like about muji and i'd love to hear you talk about this michael um is that when people ask a question he's very very good at cutting into it and going back to the only problem that really ever is true which is you who's asking who's asking what who's asking like whenever we go to one of the talks and somebody asks a question we always go to lunch and we sort of look at it from a muji place i'm just like yeah, because it it you can watch on YouTube how it really cuts through all the something that Ramdas said while I was with him. We were talking about oh, thinking about a decision, going back and forth, the pros and cons of something, and he just goes entertainment. Mm. This points to your brain, entertainment, mm. and it's just who's watching that show. And I I personally love a mix of the love and the liquid love, and somebody just going like. I think you've forgotten it. I mean, Michael, one of your one of my favorite podcasts of yours, your point is you are enlightenment itself. And that really meant something to me because when I when we're always throwing our hat over the wall and going if only I had my hat. It's I don't really feel like that's necessarily the business of God. I feel like that's the business. Muji said, given the choice between the destination and the journey, the ego will always choose the journey. Yeah. And there is something to be said about going like 
stop it. And I hear Ramdas doing that. He's like, stop it. You're here. I mean, we are intimately, we have been all these years with Maharaji, intimately practicing mon- mindfulness. Tibetan Buddhism, Hinayana, you know, Vipassana, and all of that has been absolutely blended into what we do. So th- there's not one of us that'll, well, Trungpa used to call us light and lovers, but, yeah. you know. But really, there isn't one of us that that's, uh, doesn't get what you're just saying. And but, then talk to Trungpa's devotees and talk about how much they love yeah, just Trump, yeah, the, the glimpse of the side of his face. Yeah, I mean, right, that's a great Ramdas yeah, story where yeah, like, really. you guys are secret bhaktis. And they said, don't tell anybody. Yeah. He goes, oops, yeah, here yeah. I am telling you. Michael, please. Yeah. I just, I'm just thinking about how when non-duality becomes a thing, when it becomes a, a positive statement of truths it's not non-duality really anymore like non-duality is a negative word it's it's a it's a it's a rejection of or not a rejection it's a letting go of uh attachment to these ideas so as soon as and ramdas talks about this kind of thing all the time but like uh how your practice is eventually something you have to let go of as well because that, that to me, is, it's like the Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. As soon as we say it, as soon as we think this is the thing, non-duality is the thing. It's this set of ways of practicing and thinking. Now it's another ego thing. Now it's another way to make this other than it is. Rather than accepting and flowing and becoming nobody. All, all the... All the things talking about this retreat and, and the bhakti, like all these practices, if they're effective, they bring us into that moment of letting go. They bring us into the non-dual experience, which is presence, which is being and not that echo of energy where I'm now, Michael, over here thinking about how I should be being or should be practicing or should. I'm just in it. I'm just in this moment, in my heart, in my body, in the moment. And... uh so there's there's kind of a joking like non-duality is kind of a joke. <laughs> it's kind of it, to me there's like a wink wink nod nod about anything you're talking about non-duality. It's got to be it's got to be kind of funny. Otherwise it's um I think you've made it another dual thing. Yeah. There's a, some some non-dualists are don't have a lot of sense of humor. Yeah, but I would put quotes around that, not some yeah. non-dualists. Uji is very funny. <laughs> Those, I can't, I'm sorry like, to keep bringing it back to it's him. It's like racism almost, non-dual. That's where I'm, I'm coming from, a racist point of view. You mean? Like non-duals, you non-dual. <laughs> like bigoted? Like that. But I, I, told and I'm about, not, I'm not. I'm no, not. I know, it's funny. Um, somebody told me about some non-dual sect in India. I don't remember the name of it, but they, they were really intentionally non-dual. And so they had to make sure they were going to negate all of the ways that people were saying, you know, this sort of food is unholy. This sort of sexual act is unholy mm. and unclean mm. and whatever. And so they had to be non-dual. They had to, they had to actively like rebel against those things. So they had to drink some disgusting drink with semen and blood and all kinds of stuff in it. I or they had to had put poop sex. on themselves. Yeah, they had to have sex with somebody they were related to. Okay, I never. What? Like, yeah. So that kind of thing. It's like, okay, so why do you have to do this? You have to be non-dual. That that there's a okay, joke in there. It. It's like you can't. <laughs> you for reality to be complete, for being to be being, 
you have to do something other than what you're doing. Mm. You have to do these X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And you know, I did a thing with, you know, Adi Ashanti, either of you? Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, white guy? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know him. I did a podcast with him. And when I talked, I came on to him about non-duality. He said, you know, he had a, a real awakening and he, He's great, by the way. You you would love, would love both to of you. To, I mean, you, he's hard to get because he's busy and blah, blah. But uh, so in his childhood, he kept looking at his the adults, his parents and everybody else around and going, what is wrong with these people? They're crazy. And this kept going on until he, I think he said he got to the age of maybe 12 or something and he realized, shit. These people believe in their thoughts. They totally believe. Mm -hmm. And he realized the root of all that. He got into meditation. and He was meditating like crazy all the way through his teen years. I think he must have been early 20s when he said to himself, this shit's not working. Fuck it. I'm not meditating anymore. And boom, he sat down. I mean, maybe, I don't know what happened, but he had a, a real absorption into the interconnectivity of all things. You know, he almost died. He thought he was going to die. Oh, really? Yeah. His you do know rate. him. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't sure who he was. Oh. But when you said it was a white guy, with a, yeah, I know who yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wrote the book Awake. And then yeah. he, uh, he was a runner, and I think he had some sort of instrumentation or he took his pulse or something. But his heart rate, he knew his heart rate was so high that he was like, I am going to die. Hmm. Like it's not, he was having a panic attack or something. And his heart, his heart was so fast that he was like, it's going to explode. Hmm. And just like Ramana Maharshi is like, I am going to die. And he sat down and he was like, I am dying. And then he didn't die. And then he was like, but then he did die. Hmm. It was one of those. Hmm. So then he goes around dead, not dead. Yeah. <laughs> but when I talked to him about non-duality, he said, I started just teaching, you know, just talking. People came around, you know, that usual thing. I didn't know what non-duality was. Mm. I had no idea about that. It was only later that I understood it's sort of a category. But it's so crazy that uh, Sounds True said to us once, in terms of presenting stuff to them, uh, books and all that, Bhakti doesn't work. Don't oh. forget about writing a book on bhakti. It's non-duality that people are interested in. Oh, so there's a so it just touches on the point that it, we are intellects. You, you, the Dalai Lama said, "You're too much into your minds in the West. Too intellectual. Need love." And um, so I, I guess that's where from where my own little bias that people get lost in knowing, you know, and wanting to know. And listen, there's people here, you know, this is a big heart opening retreat, basically. That's what it's about. Open your heart in paradise. If you don't, we give you your money back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Minus food. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of that hurts and it's very painful and going through kind of growing and allowing, you know, just allowing something you may not have really allowed before in terms of defending your space and uh, and and everything by the way you're you've talked about in terms of non-duality 
for me, putting that in action through mindfulness meditation, you know, through stuff that's going to leverage and work so that you're not stuck in your thoughts, right? You're not believing the story. Not and you're right. actually, you know, trying to, as Ram Dass said, when is it enough? Mm. When is it enough? For me, non-dual isn't, isn't that heady for me. It's, it's always just going like, there's one, there is being. And when I go deeply enough inside, then, and when I'm there, I'm, I'm the only thing that's it, that is. That's all it really is. And then everything else you're doing, as long as you kind of hold on to that, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Well, one thing that's great to have is that Ram Dass has talked about this his whole life, which is the key mindfulness thing, is a witness. I mean, they call it you know, many different ways for that to happen, but certainly... I mean, what he did today, you know, that he's done for years, get out of your mind into your heart, have that perspective from which that's non-judgmental, non-conditional, all of those things. So the practice of doing that, to me, is one of the most important things on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Right. For me, non-duality, the, the, the lessons, the pointing that, that non-duals, mystics and stuff have, have offered humanity as gifts to me really helps on the mind level. So you have, of course, the embodiment of who we are, of loving awareness is a tremendously powerful thing. And I, I love bhakti, I think, and chanting and mindfulness, all of it. For me, it, it, it's, it's like, um, non-duality is almost like the, the conceptual space in which we go to the gym where we have, uh, we have enough of a concept of like why you would go to the gym to go. There's like, it's a, oh, this all can be experienced as love and as being and as his presence. And then the pain that I'm experiencing is I'm tearing my muscles on the machine. Now it actually can be not torture. So there's, the, there is like this mental suffering that happens all the time and especially in spiritual circles. And if you're only, to me, why non-duality is such a gift. If you're only in uh, like bhakti or uh, or you know, different ways of yoga that are um, body-centric or that are experiential, somebody, yeah. um, you can get thoughts that can get people stuck in these loops of suffering in their heads. Well, take that guy and what you said to him, which I thought was lovely. We were having lunch with a guy that was like, look, it's binary. I'm either the sky or I'm the clouds. Like, and if I'm not the sky, then I am failing. And then Michael goes, or there's no problem. There, or there's no problem. It's like, maybe there's no problem. Meaning, what's happening? Because, and the funny thing about like, you become the sky when you stop holding on to the problem. That's right. When the you problem become is, nobody. Yeah, That's so right. it, it catches itself. That's so right. like sometimes, can, can non-dual pointers and teachings help break up some of the cycles of suffering that yeah. happen in the head and bring you into and the bring heart. you into the heart and bring you into the body and, and allow you to move towards practice and moving that or like experience the into the muscles that said am i accruing bad karma if i buy someone meat yeah and it's like that seems to me like a trick of the ego to be like instead of being in your heart let's do puzzles <laughs> like would you like to do some puzzles mm. and non-duality i like not we're really saying the same thing being in the heart which is the non-dual place it's the namaste place those questions become very silly and i think of ramdas 
who I've watched buy a lot of meals where people had chicken or whatever, because that's where you're just, you're, you're one who's buying who for what mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that can relieve suffering. That's what I like. Not just a heady exercise. Exactly. But I go like, I'll do it all the time. I always get low at this retreat. The first day or two, I, I really? there's like, just, I'm having a great time, but there's God. a lowness in there. And I just go, okay, but I'm, I'm over here going, there's lowness. Like I'm the thing reporting on the lowness yeah. and that's, that's my heart. And that's where I'm you, and I'm you, and I'm this, and yeah, I'm everything, yeah. and there's no problem. But, but let's examine this it. lowness. <laughs> it happens every year. It happens to Val, too. Really? There's always a heaviness. I, I look at it as the, the check engine light on my ego. It goes like, stay special, golden boy. <laughs> it doesn't like it. I don't, I, it doesn't want to be a group. It doesn't want to be nobody. Mm. And it's like, I joked to somebody. I was like, go find a fan. Go, <laughs> go, find, go find someone that read your book. Yeah, hey, uh, because being when your snowman starts to melt, it's like Ramdas's first psilocybin trip. You start to go away. You have a little bit of a, but now it's not panic. I just get a little bit blue. Mm -hmm. It starts to. That's good. It starts to undulate in a way yeah. that goes like, "Hey, don't forget about me." And I go, "I don't forget." I used to push my ego aside. And now I just go, "You're welcome here. You're my wonderful servant. I mm. love you. You mm. protected me from fighting parents and bullies mm. in high school. Mm. You're you're with me, uh, but you're not me. That's yes. the delusion. You're my tool, and mm. I'm glad that you're here. Very good. It's yeah, good, isn't very it? Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my first couple of retreats, Duncan set me straight, and I probably said it on this podcast before, and he made it like Harry and the Hendersons. Remember when they have to get Harry to go into the woods? Because if he stays with oh, the family, yeah. he's like, get out of here get out of here but he loves him but he's telling him to go for his own safety he's like so many of us are doing that to our egos when really that, that was the monster that picked us up when we were like when my parents were fighting my ego picked me up and held me close and said whispered you're special mm. and and i love you and i'm not gonna i used to say get the fuck out of here you're not spiritual now i go you come with me mm. even my intellect helps me that the the mind can be very very useful yeah. in destroying yeah. the mind. Good servant, yeah. lousy master, That's as, right. as they say. That's right. I love that. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. I share that as much as I can. Yeah, you should. And it was Duncan right here on the beach. He was like, and he oh he said it even better. He was like, I love I love your ego. It's like it's one of my favorite egos. <laughs> I love hanging out did you with see, your ego. Did, I don't know if you were there with Robert Svoboda the other day, and he was talking about his guru, Vimalananda, mm -mm. who had the power to just take on a personality, nothing to do with the Vimalananda <laughs> yesterday, and he'd run that thing for a while and just, okay, <laughs> next. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to him tomorrow. Uh, Duncan and I are actually going to talk to him in the afternoon Fine. and go, wait a minute. Now, what? What? What, what, are you yeah, talking? Wait, what do you mean? Like, uh, yeah. What does that yeah. mean, man? Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it louder, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody's sleeping. Um, <laughs> the, just because you mentioned it, not, I want to make sure because I love it. The book. Yeah. And I forget the name. of It's called Comedy Sex God. Comedy Sex God. Okay. Yeah. And Michael, you just you're. Yeah, we we did a podcast, did it, yeah. yeah. But still, but it's we, a wonderful book. We met like just as we were finishing our books, Pete and I. Oh really? Yeah, oh, so it's, it's not that the same book. It's the same book. This is funnier, but. <laughs> and Michael's is. I'm not just saying this. Michael's mine is sort of like, hey, maybe you'd like to come in here. And Michael's like, here's the whole thing. 
<laughs> mine is very gentle. It's like the the biggest thing. We talk a little bit about non-resistance in my book, and we tell the story of Ram Dass, and we tell, talk about the concept of what a guru is. And I talk about my private retreat and asking Ram Dass if he was my guru, and he said no. And um, we talk a lot about sexuality, but and then we talk about the witness. I really just wanted to do the basics. I wanted to be like, who is it that's noticing your depression? Is a very useful thing, even for non-spiritual people. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of non-spiritual people that suffer with depression. I, I, that's uh, another word I don't spiritual? like. Spiritual? Non-spiritual. Non-spiritual. Who's non-spiritual? I know. Well, non... Uh, Aware. There you go. But that's a big thing in the in treating depression now is, is everybody tries to associate with the part that's noticing the depression, whether or not they call that the Atman or your soul or anything. They're just like, what is scanning you for depression? Just your base consciousness. Very, very useful. So that was in the book. I, I like getting the basics. I, I sometimes think some of the great teachers cover the basics and then they move on into things that like interest them. But the people that mm. I love, if you read any Richard Rohr book, he goes through the basics again. Mm. There's no book of his mm. where he doesn't go like, hey, the only language we have to speak about God is metaphor. Mm. Hey, the mm -hmm. only uh, it's all about surrender. It's all about mirroring or it's all about um, Christ is, it's Colossians 3 something, but he's like, Christ is everything and Christ is in everything. So we're talking about unitive consciousness. We're talking about a place that you can go. In the, in the most recent book, of, I'm reading his book called Divine Dance, which is about Richard Trinity. Mm -hmm. And there's a quote in it where it was like, don't be so meek as to think that breathing as God is something you can't attain, like breathing in God and having God breathe as mm. you. Mm. And these are Christian mystics. Mm. That's what we're talking about. When we say like Christian, mystical Christianity is so much sexier and alive and vibrant and undulating and colorful and real and powerful and vital and exciting and electric and flowing and beautiful and juicy. And it's been turned into, there's a guy watching me masturbate on a cloud. Like he's up there and he's mad at me. And it used to be, don't be so meek as to think you can't have God breathe as you. Who did I have? Because I was Jewish, but I had that. There was somebody watching thing. Yeah. I don't know who yeah. it was. Moses? I guess it was Moses. Any, <laughs> anybody with a beard will do. <laughs> but as I always like to point out, that's Greek. It's a Greek. That's a Greek image. The idea of Zeus on a cloud. Mm. The old man in the sky is, is Zeus that sort of got turned into Yahweh. What do you think of the fact that I th I've told you for sure our experiences with Maharaji around Christ, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I told you. Like as soon as, as soon as I sat down, he went, where's your cross? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking cross like I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. But I went out right away and got a cross. Wow. <laughs> And then the famous thing that my bosom buddy there tells the story, Mr. Das, Krishna Das, he told it last night. I walked, or the night before I walked out because of, uh, I, I figured I'm with a guru. I'm in India. I should get a mantra. But instead of saying, can you give me a mantra? I said, for some reason, how should I meditate? And he went, Meditate like Christ. When he was put on the cross, he felt no pain. He was lost in love. I'm like, oh, man, God. I mean, just picture this. When I'm in parochial school, which was half Hebrew and half Jewish, right? I learned some of my uh, subjects in Hebrew, not really knowing. I mean, that's how bad it was. 
and my teacher had, you know, a number tattooed on his arm. He's from the camps and everything. And he used to say that Jesus was bad. I mean, I didn't know from anything. And I lived in a Catholic town, Montreal. Right? So there he is talking about Jesus. And it was like, holy Jesus, he's talking yeah, yeah. about Jesus. And then Ramdas came the second day, and the, he wasn't there that day. And I said, you know, maybe you have a more convivial relationship. Why don't you ask him how, you know, how did Christ meditate? And he did that. Ram, we said it was me. I mean, just the people you know here, like me, Krishnadas, Ramdas, Rameshwardas, were f four out of the six maybe people that were there. It's hard for me to imagine that now. Hmm. And he just. We asked the Ramdas asked the question. He put his head back and he closed his eyes, and we we're all just sitting around. And then tears started coming down. It imagine like when your parents are crying and you don't really know why. And we Katie, like when he tells the story, he goes, "He never cried. He never. Cried. He never, never cried. Saw him cry. No. And there he was crying. And then he just kept saying, "You don't understand." Over and over and over. You don't understand. You don't understand. He never died. He never died. He was lost in love with every sentient being. He died for everybody. You don't understand. Like that. And we were riveted in the moment of Christ's presence. Basically, there wasn't anything else going on. And that so radically changed so much in that moment for the rest of my life that I can't you know, it was it was just hard to fathom. No miracles or anything, right? Just some a being that could be in the heart of Christ, basically, and live and live it and share it. See, it seems so apropos that that was your thing too. That uh, Christ was bad, and or you didn't obviously you had cultural reasons. That's not your guy. And then Maharaji goes right at that. The yeah. the climax of my story was I kept being so horny; it was getting in the way of me meditating while I was on personal retreat. That's the story that ends my book, was I was just like 14-year-old boy horny, like a, a way that I haven't been horny since I was going through puberty. And that, so the, the big punchline of the book, which I don't mind sharing, is that I thought horniness was in the way, but horniness was the way. It was like Maharaji was coming to me as horniness. I know that sounds silly, no, but it was exactly tell my you issue. My whole life was, if only I wasn't such a horny guy, God would love me. And Maharaji was like, I'm going to crank the sauna up to a thousand and I'm not going to open the door to the sauna until you say, I, I love you, until you look it in the eye and say, I love it. I love your humanity. That's what's also beautiful about Christ, too, that gets lost is fully human, fully divine. The whole story, it sounds so new age or it sounds so Hindu, is that you are the light of God looking out of a human body. It's right there in Christianity. It's the story of Christ. What we did, though, is that we took and we said that was his thing. And we're all just, I don't know, pieces of scrap paper. And he was the only thing yeah. that mattered. And, and he's calling you to say, go and do likewise. Do what I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is crazy, but I actually had the same exact experience that you had in that retreat. No way. Yeah. In a, in a different way. It was going down to Kenshi and having all this sexuality feeling as I go down the road to get into Kenshi. And after a while, I was like, shit, I'm going out of my mind. I'm having these kinds of... I'm yeah. Uh, thank yeah. God for Ramdas. Yeah. Being who he is, psychologist as well as, well as everything else. And probably a great therapist, right? 
Well, he was. I'm Rob. You gotta help me. You have these fucked up thoughts. Go down to Kenji Mahara. And he said, yeah, it's all good. This is how we've learned how to express love mm. in the West, most especially. Mm. It's good. No problem. I was just talking to Nick Turn about that. Mm. He was telling me about a, a Tibetan, I believe it was a Tibetan student monk, that was so in tune with the eroticism of the universe that he would see a bee land on a flower and that would turn him on. And I, and I told him that I had a stand-up bit. It never worked. But it was called This Erotic Universe. Maybe you saw me do it once, Gangis. It didn't work. But I was trying to... It worked for you. <laughs> I, I kept trying to convince... One of the reasons it didn't work was because I have to be in that place to do the joke. So I would have to like meditate before my show. And I don't always have time to do that. Mm. So if I don't feel it, I can't really communicate it. But the point was, I was like... We all think sex is bad, but everything is fucking everything all the time. And I go, look at you, breathing in, breathing out, letting that wind in your body. You're an air whore. Look at you dirty little air whores. And you need it. You die without it. You love it. And then I talked about eating food. You put it in your mouth and you chew it up and get it all. And then and I go, do you swallow? Do you swallow your food, you dirty bitch? Do you swallow it? And then do you shit it out in a reverse anal that feels pretty good? The whole thing. Because that all so much of my work is trying to go like, Sex is part of it because I was told that it was the bad thing. So I'm trying to go like food is sex. Communion, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Christ. Communion is erotic. Eat my body. Drink my blood. That's what you do with a lover. Remember when Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton were like kind of famously obsessed, maybe you don't, with each other? They wore vials of each other's blood around their neck. It's like it's this thing where like you're like, be me. That's what grokking is. Grok me. Yeah. Eat me. Consume me. On a cellular level, the cells are having sex too. They're becoming mm -hmm. new skin. They're, they're bonding. They're losing themselves and becoming a, your new nose. Every seven years, a new you. It's constant sex. It's con when my baby was born, it was one cell that went bloop into two. That's the mystery in its entirety in the microscopic. One became two. Can you walk me through that? One thing ate enough, consumed enough energy that it doubled in size and then one day received the code to split. And that is one thing becoming many. And that's how my baby became. And it came out of a magical interdimensional space portal called a vagina. And we all walk around saying we're non-spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Saying this is all just what it is. Wow, I just had, while you're saying that, I have this experience of, feeling the life energy of Christ being in the world and the yin yang of like, if you think of just this tremendous movement or energy or light, and then there's always a response a reaction energetically. Right. And like, as that light moves out, what's the resistance to that? And I felt Christianity as like the yang to Christ, like, <laughs> like, yeah. put like, calling pleasure evil call it like thinking of our bodies as sinful evil things and and sexuality and pleasure as somehow opposed to the life is precisely opposite 
That's right. Of the point, now it's it's a resistance to that life. And a man who used to go around picking weed on the Sabbath, getting turned into a bunch of followers that are basically doing the modern day version of "Don't pick weed on the Sabbath," meaning like, don't say, uh, don't say Jesus Christ in vain or or whatever it might <laughs> yeah. be. Like, make sure you're keeping your nose clean and doing all the good boy things. And Jesus walked around with twelve men who left their families <laughs> and broke the Sabbath on a regular basis. And by the way, something I love pointing out about Christ is when they said they called him good, they said, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. No one is good but God. So it's not a Boy Scout. But you guys, it, being that you have this, you know, deep, deep uh, connection to the, the Christian uh, tradition, I mean, isn't this kind of funny that this happened, that Maharaji, sp um, you know, you're here now, you know, you've come into relation with all of this in, in fairly deep ways. Isn't it crazy that, I mean, there's no other somebody uh, like him, uh, somebody guru like him, yeah. that has, you know, that, that was so emphatic yeah. about it. Re Did you read his book? We go, his book? Yeah. The Whose book? Which, who are we talking no, about? Maharaji would go, did you read his book? Oh. Oh. Oh, the New Testament. So we started reading the New Testament. <laughs> yeah. We hadn't read it because we wow. were Jewish. You don't read the New Testament. Yeah. You know? I mean, so you read it with... <laughs> Ramdas, we'd sit around and we'd read, each would read... But you read it with those good eyes, man. Yeah. It's yeah, tricky. different I, eyes. I have more trauma. I have a harder time reading the Bible now. I need someone else. I need mm. like a mystical person mm. to go, this is what it says, but when he says yeah, this... Right. Like, and there's a lot of So it. Paul... The big thing about sex, and this is Richard Rohr, he's like, he's always talking about the sins of the flesh, right? And the church interpreted that to be the sins, sexual sins, things like abortion, homosexuality, premarital sex, sins of the flesh. When you look at it through a different lens, you see that he's saying the sin, the separation of the flesh, of the ego, of the body, of identification with your false self, as, as Merton called it, and not identifying with your true self, which is the indwelling of God, which is what the Hindus call the Atman, which is what we, we call awareness. It's all the same thing, but when you, if I read the sins of the flesh, I might still be like, oh, somebody's about to tell me not to diddle my wingler. <laughs> and I, and, and she, I, I okay. get real mad about that. Can we like, call this podcast Diddle, my diddle wingler. the Wingler? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever said Wingler before. Don't diddle don't the Wingler. Diddle, we could do a country song maybe. But don't isn't it? Don't Wingler. <laughs> but to have someone like Richard Rohr who could have broken out of, he's a Franciscan, he could have broken out of Christianity easily. He stayed in for us to be like, because he knows bodhisattva the, style. Bodhisattva yeah. style. He knows yeah. the power of a guy wearing a, a frock telling you you're good, yeah. as opposed to a hippie. Yeah, like yeah. a hippie telling you you're good is doesn't mean mm. as much to the people that were hurt by people in frocks. Mm. You maybe need a guy in a frock to say God loves you. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. We've lost it. We've lost it. We've lost mm. it. Special so stuff. both. By the way, both. What, what's the name of your book, Mike? This. This, right. And we, actually, it was only a few months ago that we chatted about it. But you were saying, yeah, we wrote, we both wrote, wrote books that came out around the same time. They're kind of the same book. They're yeah. kind of, for me, complimentary, beautiful. Both, everybody out there get. 
Oh, both. Get both. I books agree. You'll because there's the a way now, way in which they really do complement each other. Yeah. In, in, uh, they in a sync great up way. like Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. It's actually, <laughs> yeah, it's actually what I've been talking about the intersection of, of some really great discrimination, discriminating with not that you don't have that. Yeah. Sure. But, and some really deep feeling kind of stuff. Yeah. A personal connectivity. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you both for the both books and thank you for it's a great I do want to point out Michael's book as an audio book is fantastic as well because he scored it. It's incredible. Oh, can we play a song? Sure. On the podcast? Yeah. Which is the one we should play? Because you mentioned it. His his band? Oh, play Vapor. Vapor. Okay. Everybody Is that okay? Sure. That's a that's not a Christian one. That's a newer one. Go for it, yeah. Right? That's from One Wild Life. Yeah. Okay, Which well, everybody, you're going to have all of this available in the show notes of Be Here Now Network. Go to yeah. BeHereNowNetwork.com slash mindrolling. Thanks, you guys, yeah, for coming. Thank and you. thanks for hanging at the retreat. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for having me, hooking us up. And we'll see you all again. Yeah, man. Next week on Mindrolling. Oh, the vapor of it all. It's a chasing of the wind, the substance of the four, so pale and thin. Let the veil of earth be stretched
Kings become fools for you, kingdoms to ruins for you. Vapor finds ground in you, music finds sound in you.